welcome back to the Emergency Goalies podcast. And, um, yeah, we don't have any hockey again. Pretty much a holding pattern for that. There wasn't really any news this week about the Blackhawks that I saw anywhere. So we decided to go a little bit for the old school. We're going to, we were talking about watching old games and stuff. So I uh, put it out on the uh, Twitter. Asked the people what old game we'd want to talk about. And didn't get a lot of responses because I didn't mention it on the pod. But I will just say we'll probably do this a few more times. So keep an eye on my uh, Twitter feed. And and if you just have an idea, you know, just feel free to give us ideas of games or stuff you want to talk about because we can talk about them because there doesn't appear to be much news in the actual hockey games returning. So, yeah, it's... It's going to be a while, if it, if at all, so we've got some time to fill. That's right. So uh, the voters' choice this week was uh, the 2013 Western Conference semifinals, I believe it was, second round, um, Red Wings and Blackhawks game seven, and that's what we're going to talk about, but I thought it'd probably be helpful to, not that many of you listening don't need a reminder of that series, but for those who don't remember, I'll give a little review of it. Uh, the Blackhawks were the higher seed. They were the one seed that year. It was the uh, blackout shortened season, 2013. So they were the number one seed. And, you know, I don't really remember what seed the Red Wings were. They weren't a bottom seed, but they were. Yeah, they, they were like four or five or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Anyway, um, the first two games were in Chicago. The team split the games. But then the Red Wings won both games in Detroit. And suddenly the Blackhawks were in a 3-1 to one hole, and it it did not look good. It looked like another President's Trophy curse. But um, the Blackhawks had a very good game, Game 5. Battled back, you know, had a good good effort. Won that one, then went to Detroit. Game six in a crazy game that featured a Michael Froelich penalty shot, which I believe game was the winner. winner. Yeah, that won the game. It was a tied game, and he scored a, the penalty shot goal to win the game. So that set up a dramatic game seven. Uh, because of the lockout, the games were pushed back. So this was a very late second round. It was like. May 29th. So this yeah. was way later than normal. Of course, this year, if there is a season, the playoffs might be in, like, August. But mm-hmm. but anyway, um, so that led us to Game 7. I guess I'll let you kind of recap the actual Game 7 since I went over the season, and then we can talk about it after. Sure. Um, it was... Uh... A really hard-fought game. Both teams were doing a little feeling out early in the game. Uh, I would say that the Blackhawks had the better of it. Uh, They were generating a few more chances uh, throughout the first. However, uh, that doesn't mean that Detroit didn't have their, their opportunities. They, it was kind of a typical Blackhawks. We, 
we have the puck in our favor a lot of times. Our defensemen are being aggressive and it occasionally leads to two-on-ones the opposite way. And the Blackhawks got a little fortunate in that um, a couple of the early opportunities that the Red Wings generated in that manner, their, uh, their passes on the two-on-ones were not particularly good. Um, they weren't able to get uh, the, you know, the, a setup into the open guy's uh, wheelhouse. And so they were always having to kind of collect the puck and not they weren't getting a shot off very quickly and it allowed Crawford to to make the saves and Crawford was really good in the game but um you know the Hawks fought hard in the first first period to me the whole game really um a lot of it came down to the Blackhawks depth and some of the uh players that were not the most highly thought of or would eventually become whipping boys for the fans. Um, A lot of those guys had really good games in this, uh, when it came down to it in this, in, in in this deciding effort here, I, I thought the best line all night and it started from the first period was the Andrew Shaw line with Brandon Saad and the forgotten Victor Stahlberg. Uh, Stahlberg was uh, not a guy that had a great playoffs that year. Um, I think he ended up getting scratched for um, even some of the games, and I, I don't even think he played much in the in the finals, but he had a really good game, and his speed... Uh, was not only challenging the black or the the Red Wings defensemen uh, generating scoring chances, but he was working hard on the back check as well. Him and Saad, um, the speed of those two guys on the wing, uh, combined with Shaw's tenacity and doing some of the dirty work, led to uh, odd man rushes, open opportunities, and they were creating turnovers on the back check. And yeah, yeah, no. Um, Stahlberg mm-hmm. really did. Yeah, Stahlberg really did jump off the screen, and the you know who's watching. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this, is it just mirrors? Stahlberg really playing well, of course. Yeah. With Stahlberg, the problem always was finishing. Even when yeah, when he was on, he could never finish. <laughs> yeah. That he was generating them. Um, but I will say, uh, uh, and, and uh, they did generate a power play. Uh, they drew a penalty. Shaw went to the front of the net. Uh, Stahlberg actually created a turnover in the corner, uh, took the puck to the center uh, of the ice. Shaw drove to the net and drew a penalty. Uh, He got a hooking call. Unfortunately, it was one of those situations where Shaw drew the penalty and then Stahlberg had the puck. The refs had already called a penalty and Stahlberg got hooked as he was, he looked like he was about to have a open net opportunity and the refs didn't call a second penalty. Um, you know, in a game seven, they're just they're just never going to do that. They're never going to call two penalties on one play. Um, so really, the Hawks should have had a five on three. They only ended up with a five on four. And it being a Hawks power play, it was atrocious. 
<laughs> um, as even back in the day, they were never all that great on the power play. It was ended up kind of being a a uh, momentum killer as much as anything. Uh, but by the end of the first period, the Hawks did end up being up one to nothing. Andrew or Andrew Shaw, uh, Patrick Sharp uh, mm-hmm. scored. It was a uh, or no, what was it? No, it was the second period, wasn't it? Was it was the second, yeah. It was the second because it was the long change now that I remember it. Yeah, that's right. It was kind of a weird um, – both the Hawks and the Wings were both in the middle of a change, and so it was like a, a, a mixed-up line with Marion Hosa out there with Patrick Sharp, who they weren't playing together in that game, and they ended up on a two-on-one, and Hosa fed uh, Sharp, who got the open look and buried it. Um, and for a long time, it looked like it might be the only goal. Um, second period had a lot of back and forth. The, uh, Red Wings put up a little bit more, uh, pressure, I thought, in the second period. Um, the Hawks didn't dominate the puck as much, but, you know, as I said, they, they managed to score, um, and, you know, they kind of sat back a little bit. I thought, I felt like the, you know, once they got up, I, I don't felt, I didn't feel like they were quite as as aggressive. Um, other than uh, maybe Brian Bickle, who was hitting everything that moved, um, kind of like Victor Stahlberg, another eventual whipping boy. But uh, Brian Bickle had a fantastic game. He was uh, a force pretty much every time he was out on the ice. And I, I thought he was a guy that that really kept up uh, the energy in the second period. And then, uh, like I said, the Shaw line was pretty good all night. Um, Nick Letty also, <clears throat> you know, another guy that uh, wasn't always Q's favorite player in the playoffs, but I thought I thought he had a strong game along with Michael Rosewall. Uh, that 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 third pairing that was um, for the Blackhawks, the 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 Letty Rosewall pairing this was the team where the Blackhawks had the their best defensive core out of all of the the, of the three championship seasons well you know you know it's funny too that you know looking back on it now that we've got the perspective of what we've seen but you know in the day Michael Roosevelt got a lot of flack from people for being bad and stuff and like would he be the second best defenseman on the Blackhawks now? It feels like he would be. He's actually very similar to Connor Murphy, um, at least at that point in his career. Um, now, I, I, this was definitely Roosevelt's best season as a Hawk. Um, I think he did get kind of progressively worse. Um, I, I don't think he was ever quite as bad as some of the Hawks fans uh, uh, lamented him to be. But unfortunately, I thought his play kind of deteriorated a little bit each season. But unfortunately, as the Hawks depth kind of decreased, he kept getting pushed into a bigger and bigger role. And there were games where he would get thrown out there with Duncan Keith as on a top pairing. And that just wasn't what Roosevelt should have been asked to do at that point in his career. So I think some of the criticism against Roosevelt was became a little unwarranted simply because of, the roles he was being asked to fill. I mean, by, by 2015, he ended up, uh, you know, his injury um, is kind of what led, uh, he got hurt early in the 2015 playoffs, if I remember correctly. 
And once he was out, you know, that's when they were left with Kyle Comiskey and, uh, oh God, why am I forgetting his name? The Swedish guy um, <laughs> that they uh, uh, kept uh, trying. Oh boy, his name always escapes me. But anyway, um, getting back to 2013 in this game, Roosevelt, I thought, was was just a strong, steady, steady presence throughout. And then you get into the, the the third period, and I, I thought the Hawks were 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 back on their A game. They were uh, kind of back to what they were doing in the first period. They were uh, possessing the puck well. They were absorbing all of uh, Detroit's rushes, um, kind of circumventing a lot of them before they even became a threat. You know, again they. they the Hawks were getting back to a little bit of their aggressive play, and it did lead to a, a couple of odd man situations for Detroit, but Corey Crawford was very good in the game. Um, and I remember watching this game live, and the the one guy I just I, – I, I felt really good about what the Hawks were doing. Um, really, the one guy that I was I was scared of was Justin Abdelkader. Uh, he was a guy that had been a thorn in their side the whole series – uh, he was playing on Pavel Datsuk's wing and just one of those sneaky guys. He was sneaky, dirty. He was sneaky, skilled, and he, he was kind of like Andrew Shaw, but maybe a little, little, little bit better, maybe a little bit bigger too. And, oh man, he, he really scared me, but it, 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 it didn't end up being Abdelkader that uh, ended up with the the, the tying goal that uh, came down to Gustav Nyquist uh, just completely fooling uh, Corey Crawford. Uh, Nyquist came down the wing and got Crawford to commit. Crawford went down and Nyquist faked the shot and centered the puck and Boy, was it – I don't even remember who, who scored now. I don't have it up in front of me. Uh, yeah. It almost doesn't matter. Nyquist is the guy who made the play. The other guy just had to tap home well, him from there. It really there. looked like yeah. – it yeah. really looked like – it looked like Crawford's skate got stuck in the ice. Like Yeah, he was just frozen in place. It was – it's one of those that looks probably way worse than it end, uh, you know, than it, end, uh, than it was, but – on a game tying goal in the third period of a deciding game, you don't, you don't like the look of your goaltender, not even attempting to make a save because he's been so fooled by the initial fake. Um, but that's kind of what it looked like. And it was uh, kind of one of those unfortunate situations where it was just like, boy, Crawford had been playing so good. And then you had a, a, a goal like that. And I'm sure there was a lot of fans that were kind of, Thinking back to the Phoenix series uh, the year before, where Crawford wasn't very good and he was letting in soft goals, and you know by this at this point Crawford had not you know won a championship yet, so uh, I wondered. I, I didn't feel it at that point. I was pretty confident in the way he was playing, but I'm sure there were a lot of Hawks fans that were concerned at that point well, that, that yeah, Crawford was maybe going to choke. Yeah, we didn't have a uh, podcast at the time. Yeah, I would. I would. Um, I was a huge Crawford fan then, and you said you were. So I think we would have been 
pushing hard against that. Yes. He's not a good goalie because I, I always like Crawford. So, but yeah. Well, I mean, some of the criticism uh, against him was warranted at times. I mean, there were there are stretches where Crawford would give up some soft goals, and and certainly in that Phoenix series, the the year before, uh, he was completely outplayed by Mike Smith. Well, that was that was the one too. Was that when he would lose the crease? He'd kind yes. of come out of the crease, yeah. Yeah, a little was, bit. He, he always struggled with playing the puck back then, too. And there was just there was some holes in his game. And he got a lot more quiet, um, probably starting in 2013, um, where he just became more technically sound, tracked the puck better, and just was pretty much rock solid, um, you know, for the rest of that run outside of... Um, uh, I guess 2015 opening round against Nashville when he got pulled and Darling had to um, kind of save that series. But even, you know, by the end of it, Crawford was back in there. Um, so, yeah, other than that one blip, uh, Crawford was was pretty much rock solid from 2013 through 2015. But, yeah, I, I bought all the – I cornered the – Crawford stock in like 2011 so well yeah and so yeah I mean really the that the, the 2012 was really the uh um the one aberration really because uh you know we go back to 2011 and you know they ended up losing that Vancouver series uh but Crawford was really good in that series um he was way out playing the Vancouver goalies um both Luongo and Schneider um but uh yeah, uh, you know, it, it didn't end up coming back to haunt the Blackhawks. Of course, as you get into the end of the third period, that's when things got nuts. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's remembered as the Brent Seabrook game, I guess you could say. But you remember it as the Yalmerson got screwed game, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know... Jalmerson was my uh, um, kind of favorite player on these teams, and I went just nuts when he scored that goal. And it was it was an affirmation too of how well that Shaw line played in that game because those were the guys that created that opportunity. Shaw and Saad and Stahlberg each made uh, a nice little play. Uh, on that shift that freed up the puck came to, to Jalmerson in the slot and he fired that puck past, past Howard and the place just erupted. And then he saw, he saw Jalmerson uh, kind of swinging his stick uh, as he saw that the, the ref had made the call behind the play and it was uh, waved off immediately, unfortunately. And, you know, it was due to Brandon Saad, um, who behind the play kind of got tied up with a Red Wings guy along the bench. And, you know, it was one of those plays where the Hawks had the puck and Brandon Saad got checked into the bench and he went down. The guy, you know, they they just kind of held on to each other a little bit. Probably should have only been a penalty against the Red Wings guy. But Saad did, once he was on the, the ice, he did look like he maybe threw a little bit of a, a, a punch uh, in retaliation. And that's probably what they ended up calling. It wasn't real clear. Um, but, you know, it ended up being a four on four. 
instead of the goal. And thankfully, um, you know, the, it, it, I, I remember thinking, you know, they put Taves and Kane out there and I thought, okay, you know, the, these guys have, have, have won a championship before they know how to kind of deal with this late game situation. Obviously the, the uh, 2010 Nashville series when they were, you know, almost down and out and uh, with the Hosa penalty and then uh, 2011 in the Vancouver series, again, when they had their backs up against the, the uh, wall in uh, game seven and Taves willed them into the overtime with his goal. And I just thought, ah, they'll, they'll calm it down. They'll, they'll figure it out here. And for the last minute, when it was that four on four, uh, the Hawks did not did not play well. Um, Taves and Kane, uh, um, I think I can't remember. I think one of them coughed up the puck, and the Red Wings got it into the zone. And Duncan Keith, uh, you know, Pierre Maguire was all crazy, like, "Oh, Duncan Keith just saved the Blackhawks season." Uh, Duncan <laughs> Keith was basically just standing there, and the puck hit him. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, there was kind of a centering pass, and again, it wasn't in the the Red Wings' wheelhouse. Didn't get a lot of wood on it, and the puck kind of fluttered, and it just happened to kind of hit Keith in the thigh, even though he wasn't really in, you know, even tracking the puck real well. Um, but uh, it did uh, prevent a shot on goal, I guess, and a potential game winner for the Red Wings. And yeah, no, it was definitely like. Like the rug got pulled out because yeah. Blackhawks thought they had won the game, basically, and then yeah, they were deflated. Uh, yes, yeah, but it uh, you know they survived. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I don't remember this, and I think it would surprise a lot of people. Um, after the Taves and Kane shift, and you, you had uh, like 50 seconds left after you know with the faceoff, wasn't. Uh, you know, they didn't call a timeout and put Taves back out there. They didn't have Hanzus take a draw and play a shift with, uh, you know, Marion Hosa or Patrick Sharp. It was Andrew Shaw and Brian Bickle as the two forwards. And those two finished the game off, and they played well. <laughs> Unlike Taves and Kane, Shaw and Bickle did their job. Um, but I just I, – I don't remember that, and I just – watch it kind of reviewing the game i'm like wow that was a really interesting choice but as i had mentioned those two guys had played well all game and so it was kind of a nice reward and they um you know uh q q showed confidence in them and uh they did what they needed to do rewarded q for his faith in them they got it to overtime and then it wasn't very long into overtime where looked like kind of a nondescript play. Puck was in the neutral zone. Dave Boland finished a check, separated a red wing from the puck, and the puck just kind of bounced free into the middle of the ice. And it was like everybody was stuck in place except for Brent Seabrook. And it was like the seas just parted for him. He... Uh, started at his own blue line, skated up to the puck, which was kind of at center ice, 
skated right into the offensive zone with speed and fired a wrister from the slot and in like a one-on-one situation used the defenseman as like a partial screen i do think the puck ended up deflecting off of the defenseman even a little bit it it, it seemed like a change of direction and fluttered a little bit but uh beat howard clean game over series over hawks advance awesome moment <laughs> yep and you know because i was thinking about when i was watching this goal first a couple things you know uh, my guy, that you know, you're you always like Chalmerson. I don't know why I like Dave Boland, but I always like. Who Dave didn't Boland. like Dave Boland? Everybody yes. loved Dave Boland. Yeah, I loved him, yep. but um, he always like in these big moments. I yep. don't know what it is about him that he always does something. In this one, it was uh, just this big hit, like you said, knock the puck loose, and Seabrook just like, I mean, this was just. A brilliant shot. The yeah. idea to do a wrist shot, to use the guy as the screen, as uh, Eddie Olchek would always say, and definitely said in this case, skate right, shoot left. But, you know, yeah. well, I think this one was skate left, shoot right. But either way, yeah, just yeah. what can you say about that? Like, yeah. who would think to flip a wrist shot like that? And, yeah. It worked. Yeah, Brett Seabrook and Dave Boland, in those big moments, something just always clicked with those guys. It's like, that mean you know, yeah, I believe in stats like you and stuff, but that is the one time in those big games where actually something like just being headsy and smart yep. in those big moments make a huge difference. Well, and, you know, Seabrook is a guy that, you know, we're so well at at that point. We were so used to him being clutch. He was a guy that always came up big in those big moments like that. And you know, it was one of those plays where, to <laughs> kind of watching it now, it was like, oh, that's right. Brent Seabrook used to have a little jump in his step too. You know, he was a big guy that could move, and um, you know, he he took that puck at center ice. Entered the zone with speed. Um, like I said, everybody else was kind of caught a little flat-footed on the play. Um, but, you know, Seabrook was good all game. Uh, this was kind of his last hurrah as, uh, you know, kind of a, a an elite defenseman. I think 2014 he started showing a little bit of wear and tear. Um, and then by 2015 he was kind of – barely hanging on as a second defenseman or second pairing guy. But it, at this point in 20, you know, 2013 still at the top of this game, uh, you know, still kind of, you know, the Olympic caliber defenseman uh, fit well, real well with, with Duncan Keith and just, you know, a great moment for him, huge goal. And I, this wasn't the greatest Red Wings team you know, this wasn't their their peak. Obviously, they they defeated the Blackhawks in the twenty or in the two thousand and nine Western Conference Finals that ended that Blackhawks first playoff run. And when the twenty ten season happened, when the Hawks entered that playoffs, I really only had fear of two teams, and that was the wings and the pens and you know even though the wings were still 
in in 2010 they their decline had kind of started a little bit but i think there was still a little bit of that psychological this is the you know they they were the team that was proven and and even though the the hawks were a better team in 2010 it might still be a diff, it would still be a very difficult task for the blackhawks to overcome them fortunately the hawks were <clears throat> Uh, not asked to face the, the the wings that year, and then again the Hawks were able to avoid the Pens in the in the finals. So I I felt really good going through the entire 2010 playoffs, where I, I was like 80 percent sure that the Blackhawks were going to win every series that they were in. Um, in 2013 here, um, basically I had fear of just the Bruins, <laughs> really. Well, uh, I, I, um, I, I would say for me, I was a little afraid of the Kings. Yes, yeah. Yeah, the Kings, although I always felt like the Hawks matched up really well with the Kings. I just, I didn't feel like the Kings could, uh, and the same with the Sharks at, at that time. Both of the, the Kings and the Sharks were both pretty good, but I just, I felt like the Blackhawks, especially on defense, skated well enough where those teams with their with their aggressive forechecking uh just weren't going to be able to create enough pressure um and the blackhawks would be able to to skate out of enough danger um the ducks were another team you know the, the, those those california teams at that point were all very good and pretty similar bigger teams a little more aggressive on the forecheck. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I always felt very confident going into those series. It was more the teams that could kind of match the Blackhawks skill a little bit. And by 2013, the wings did not have the depth. Um, he still had that Datsuk. He still had Zetterberg. Franzen was still going. Uh, like I said, Abdul Kader was a, was a thorn. Nyquist was, was coming into his own a little bit, but, um, you know, their fourth line wasn't very good. Um, but, uh, you know, they still had, a, a, you know, those feet, those, the, that handful of weapons. And like I said, I, I, I still felt like there was maybe a little bit of a psychological barrier. And when the Hawks went down, I, I was very confident going in that the Blackhawks were going to do it. But then when they fell behind three to one, I was almost just like, oh, yeah, you know, the the Wings are just the team that, you know, the Blackhawks fear a little bit, even though by that point it was maybe a little unwarranted. But Well, yeah, once... it was also, I think for, I don't know about you, but back in the day when the Blackhawks had last been good before this, mm-hmm. the Red Wings were like, the they were very scary in like the oh. mid-90s. It was like, well, was and gloom and gloom. I mean, 2013, when when the Blackhawks, you know, this this series that we are talking about was really the end for the Red Wings. This was their last gasp of being a contender. And, you know, at that point, though, it had been basically 25 straight years for them of being a true cup contender. I mean... They really had no 
down periods from like 1991 until to you know till 2014 was basically kind of when it ended for him um and so yeah i mean like i said i i think it was maybe the one team that the hawks were not sure that they could beat so maybe a little intimidated but well, it's also they, yeah, once they won that game five, I, yeah. then I was like, okay, they they fell behind the three one, but you could kind of see like they 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 kind of flipped a switch and they they were like, we realize how good we are. This we we can beat these guys, and then they did. Yeah. Well, as you say too, there was also this very weird dynamic where the Red Wings were they were leaving, they yes. were going to the East, and it was yep. I don't know if they did that. I think they have announced it by that. Yeah, that they yeah, and it was like. Everybody like, knew it was is, the end, the last time. Yeah, this is the last time. If this Blackhawks team, which we knew was really good, would ever finally get over on the Red Wings, because, and yep. now, I mean, look at it now, it's like the rivalry's all but fizzled out. It's pretty, yeah. pretty much gone. So, yeah, this it did have a, feel like we've got to get these guys one time before yeah. they leave. Well, and I remember, too, I was... I was I was very happy with the way that it worked out where the Blackhawks and the the, the Wings were going to get to play each other cuz even though I I did have that little bit of fear that the Wings were somebody that could maybe knock off the Blackhawks because the Hawks didn't get to play him in 2010 and prove that they were better I really wanted them to have that opportunity in 2013 where it was like you know, the Hawks were the best team from game one. They started off on that crazy winning streak to start the season coming out of the, uh, you know, the the delayed start to the season. And they were so good. And I just, I was just like, I want them to match up against the Red Wings and prove that, you know, they can beat them. And they did. And I so that, that really made me yeah. happy the, with the way it laid out where they beat the Red Wings, you know, then they beat the Kings and they beat the Bruins. And maybe those were, might've been the three toughest matchups that the Blackhawks could have faced that year. And, you know, they won them all. Well, yeah, I, I like to think of it as like, if the Cubs hadn't beaten the Cardinals in 2015, exactly. And won the world series, you would have been like, well, you know, part of me's like, man, I wish we would have beat the Cardinals. And that's yep. what this was like. It's like, so then they beat the Red Wings, got the revenge, and it was almost as good as wasn't as good, but almost as good as winning the right. title. Well, and in a reverse way too, um, kind of going back to 2011, where when the Blackhawks matched up against the the Canucks, you know, we all remember because we came back from the 3-0 and I went to the game seven, then into overtime. You know, people forget that that was the first sell-off year to get under the cap after winning the, the the title, and that Blackhawks team was not very good. They were the eighth seed. They backed into the playoffs. They had a, you thank know, you, uh, thank you, Minnesota <laughs> Dallas, Wild. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, something. I don't even remember. Dallas. Yep, yep. But uh, and you know you what you. you Going into that series, Vancouver was clearly the better team. And 
not just by a little bit. They were a much better team. But talking about the Blackhawks having this, you know, maybe a psychological barrier against the, the Red Wings, I think there was definitely a psychological barrier for the Canucks against the Blackhawks after the the way the Hawks had, had beaten them the previous two years. And once Vancouver triumphed in that series, especially after the Blackhawks, you know, really tested them um, by the end, after Vancouver won that, I I was like, okay, Vancouver passed their test. They, you know, they they, they at least passed the psychological test. I, I really thought that the, the Canucks were going to go on and win. And, you know, of course they nearly did, um, but uh, I ended up kind of fizzling out at the end again. Um, but yeah, just for some teams, you know, you, you have that matchup where you just, there's that one team that you can't overcome, you can't overcome. And then when you finally do, it's just, it, it, it's, it, it's very freeing for you. And uh, in a lot of ways, this Chicago Detroit game seven was, was really that point. And it just, it felt like a passing of the baton from, you know, the dominant team from the previous 25 years and they were leaving the conference and the Blackhawks were becoming the new dynasty sort of. And it just, like I said, it, it felt like that, but that baton was being passed in this game. Yeah. So I guess that'll be, that's a good point for us to end it. Yeah. I think this was pretty good. So yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. put on another, uh, Twitter appeal and see what game uh, people want to talk about next. But I guess until we have hockey, this is something we can do. Yep. All right. Of course, I am at STH85 on Twitter. And if you people have any game suggestions, tweet tweet them at me right now, and I'll try to we'll try to do a good one next week. And uh, Michael, you're on Twitter at MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, and subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app. And, yep, I guess there's no Black Ops games to come, but I'm just going to give our standard that I've been doing lately. Everybody uh, stay safe. Uh, I hope everything's going good for everybody, and thank you for listening.